Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello, welcome to another episode of Friends with Friends. My name's P. Allison, and this is Dave Cribb. Ahoy, and also, hoy. I feel I should point out that uh, it's very noisy around my flat today, so at any moment uh, you could hear uh, someone trimming the hedge. Yep. Uh, someone mowing the grass, and also someone hoovering just outside. Oh, wow. Oh, they're not not outside the building. They're not hoovering outside the building. They're <laughs> hoovering the hallway. <laughs> Meanwhile, how are things with you? Yes, very good, thank you. Yes, I'm about to embark on a jaunt, I'd say. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, jaunt. I'm going to go to Devon for four days. Isn't Devon, like, it, it doesn't it always end up being really far away from, even if you're somewhere that you feel should be quite close to Devon or Cornwall, yeah, it so still takes absolutely hours. Yeah, so far. I don't, I'm not even, I'm not even thinking about the journey. Oh, well, everybody knows our whereabouts, don't they? So that's good. It's nice to know, isn't it? Nice Ooh. to know who's in Devon and who's not in Devon. You've got yeah. a week off as well, haven't you? I have. Um, I won't be in Devon, though. Well, you'll be in Yorkshire. I will. Another I wonderful will. county. Yeah, it's all right, yeah. It's all right. I thought well, you York, know, like, Yorkshire you know, people like, are this very... Is sort um, of, yeah, they are, aren't they? Yeah. Sort of, uh, to a point of, like, it is great and it is lovely and, like, scenery and um, I, I feel like Yorkshire people sometimes border on a bit of delusion. They really do, don't they? Because, so I'm from Lancashire, which is, you know, I know we're supposed to be rivals, blah, the blah, The dark blah. side of the M62. Well, yeah, but effectively, we're on the same uh, line of, of, of latitude, aren't we, effectively? You know, like, it's the same sort of area of the country. Mm. And there's lovely bits of Lancashire, and I would argue lovely bits of Yorkshire, but there's a weird patriotism to yorkshire people especially yes i find that yes sort of seems to forget all that sort of stuff and i do know actually having said this fuck shit we've got loads of uh, listeners from leeds haven't we yeah but i'm in leeds i'm i live here so i can slag it off all i like it's fine yeah <laughs> i know yeah i know i'm just worried about old johnny lancashire here coming over and going yorkshire <laughs> sometimes a bit bleak uh, well, so so is Lancashire. Oh yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Mate, I've I've been to Burnley, so <laughs> let's just leave it there, shall we? And just say both yeah. of our home counties yeah. are lovely and wonderful, and can sometimes be bleak. That's fine. I'd say yeah. that's true of anywhere. Friends, friends. <laughs> <laughs> After last week's debacle, I'd say that well, was a yeah. concise bit of intro. Well, I feel like I should point out we have I've, I've every time i've noticed notifications saying so and so messaged you on instagram i've gone on it and it's been someone sending some sort of jonathan creek 
related. Right. Um, I actually watched an episode of Jonathan. I know you did. You put it on your Instagram, (laughs) didn't you? It's gone from Netflix, though. What a shambles. Which one was it? Uh, it was a season four. So basically, I don't. Season, obviously, it's not as classic as the Caroline Quentin years, but I know those ones backwards. And is it Sheridan Smith? Era? No, it's uh, oh. Julia Swahalia. Oh, he had a few. He had a few um, colleagues, didn't he, Jonathan Creek? He did. Years? Good choice of the word colleague, Pete, because they are very sort of. Uh, well, I uh, thought assistant was patronising. Well, it's, yeah, and they're not assistants, but they're also sort of, they all have this sort of pseudo-sexual uh, edge, but yeah. there's never like, a, ooh, like a love interest in a, you know, apart from with Caroline Quentin, which it's borders on it a bit. But yeah, colleague is a good word, a good catch-all, you know? I remember the episode where uh, Sheridan Smith was in a bath. Yes. And then a little trap door opens and she falls under yeah. into some sort of water tank. Yes. And there's some dead bodies down there. Someone did get in touch on the Friends with Friends Facebook page, uh, Kelly, and said, if you do do a Creek podcast, you should also include the Australian series Wolf Creek. Oh, what is that? Well, it's a great question, isn't it, Pete? Wolf Creek is an Australian horror web television series which screens on Stan. It is the spin-off to the movies Wolf Creek and Wolf Creek 2. Yeah, always on the lookout for more creeks. Always on the lookout for more creeks. That is the new motto of this show. <laughs> oh, that's the end sting. <laughs> Press the wrong one there, and if you're listening... See you next like, week! Yeah. <laughs> and so to friends, a request this week, Peter, from a former quiz lightning round winner. Oh, really? Sam Brenton. Ah, uh, Sam. Remember Sam? Hello, guys. Huge fan of the podcast. Obviously, that stays in. Yeah, of course. Genuinely not just saying that. <laughs> I Good. love the idea that people are just saying it so they can get an episode onto the podcast. Yeah. Um, in response to your call out, this is from the 29th of April. So I'm so sorry, Sam, that it's taken oh, so Christ. long to get yeah, to. Sorry. We do have quite to the backlog. My nomination is season two, episode five, the one with five steaks and an eggplant. I cannot believe we haven't done this one, if I'm honest. Um, I think it's a brilliant and unique episode addresses what's quite a common issue amongst friend groups of people in their 20s about some people end up earning more money than their friends and how it can become awkward when it comes to splitting the bill in restaurants, uh, despite it airing 25 years ago, still feels as relevant. I also rewatched it before sending this to you and forgotten it has one of the maddest B-plots in the whole series. I'm going to leave that as a cliffhanger, Pete. You could be forgiven for not knowing what it is because it's completely disconnected from the rest of it. Uh, completely disconnected. And it's the only other plot as well, isn't it? The main five stakes yeah. of the eggplant thing runs through the whole thing. Anyway, that's the that's the gist of Sam's message. But just to just to check, he did say he loves the podcast. He yeah, the first sentence. Huge yeah, fan loves of it. the podcast. Huge Good. fan yeah. of the podcast. Uh thanks for your uh request, Sam. One with five stakes and an eggplant. So yeah, I mean basically if you haven't seen this one, there are only two plots. So I won't do the synopsis because it's basically those two that we've just mentioned. Uh, the uh, th- the gang splits in two, doesn't it? And half of them yeah. are earning too much money and half of them aren't. And then we have the mad B-plot. Do you want to start with the mad B-plot? Yeah, okay. I think yeah. we should start with the mad B-plot. Uh, another plot which revolves around very of-its-time technology. Yes, really does. Maybe the first five years of Friends really overused the answering machine didn't yeah they? <laughs> so many voicemails yeah love a voicemail and it does remind me of and, and this is a technology we don't have anymore pete really unless you have one of those old machines but the ability for for a, a receiver 
to pick up the phone midway through Mid a message, voicemail. Yeah. Like, that is something that the digital age has really long forgotten. Uh, what is the modern equivalent of leaving a voicemail on the wrong phone? Sort of texting the wrong person? Yeah, wrong number, I guess. Wrong number yeah. text or wrong number WhatsApp or something. Yeah, it's 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 much harder these days because it's not just dialing. Well, it's not the wrong phone, is it? It's just an old number. Yeah, I guess it's like texting someone who's changed their number, isn't it? I, I have a policy of, of never listening to voicemails. Uh, ever? Yeah, there's probably some pretty important stuff on there that I'll never hear, but that can just be one of life's great mysteries. I just, I, I just can't <laughs> be bothered with voicemails. What if you... Won the lottery, I think. That's how well, they let you know if you win the lottery. Because these days, smartphones, they tell you who's left the voicemail, right? So if I see that my mum has left a voicemail, I can guarantee that that voicemail starts with, hi, it's only me, yeah. and then she'll just text me anyway. So I don't need to listen to that because I know I know what's in it. It's only me, just ringing to say hi. I'll drop you a text to let you know. Yeah. Hi, and then she'll do your text. Hi, just Nothing to hi. worry about. Yeah. That's that's a big favourite line yeah, as well. Absolutely classic mum voicemail, that. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I understand that. But what if you get a voicemail from an unknown number? Anyway, look, just in case, Pete, you might have won the lottery and missed it. That's all I'm saying. Well, I haven't entered any lotteries. So the odds of me winning a lottery that I haven't entered, I can be pretty confident that it's not somebody telling me that I've I've won millions of pounds. Fair. Absolutely fair. Uh, but yes, if you haven't watched it for a while, it's Chandler gets a call from a girl who is trying to reach her ex, Bob. Yes. Her name is Jade. The first voicemail comes as Ross and Chandler are watching Spanish midgets wrestling on yes. the television. And they're really quite into it as well. Yeah, I mean, Chandler references Rodrigo, the wrestler, doesn't he? Like, it's a, it's a, a long-running storyline that they watch. Mm. Um, and it's never really referenced again, and it's just glanced over. But that's one of those slightly early Friends oddities, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's just, it's background noise, isn't it, at the start of that first scene? Exactly. Or background wrestling. Background wrestling, exactly. Uh, the phone rings. It's Jade trying to get hold of Bob. This whole storyline, I think it's worth saying before we crack into it too deeply, is like creep town, creepy, creepy, creepers and creep town. Yeah, Chandler's the creepers, plan right? is is shitty. Yeah, it's it's not only shitty; it's mad, right? Well, it's coercing a woman into meeting up in the hope that she will forget about the person that she's clearly quite keen on. Yeah, in the hope that you'll be able to convince her to sleep with you. Now, here, right, so and before we delve into the intricacies of the plan and why it's mad, it's just important that we outline that we're fully aware it's mad. Having said that, pop yourself in Chandler's brain. What we, the, the situation as we know it, right, is that she, she clearly wants a hookup, right? That's what's happening, yeah? Yeah. So why does Chandler arrange a date for a coffee house at 5pm? <laughs> yes, at which point she'd probably have sobered up. It's it's and dare I say be less imminently wanting sex. I, well, it's just an odd an odd leap, and I know the leap is because it's the only venue in all of Friends, uh, <laughs> but it just feels like an an odd setting, a sort of family friendly coffee shop in the middle of the afternoon. He does go, he feels bad. He goes over to sort of confess the plot, you know, and then bails on it. Changes his mind. Yes, does this strange. The uh, the I just had this weird sense, but that's me. I'm weird and sensitive. Yes, yeah, sort of pretends to be quite sort of soppy and and vulnerable, doesn't he? In an attempt to trick her. 
gets the tissues out and says, I'm all cried out today. There's just a lot of really odd Chandler behaviour in this. But, you know, having said that... It doesn't feel very Chandlery. It doesn't feel very Chandlery. It feels very Joey-y, doesn't it? Yes. Having said that, thank goodness that the writers of Friends have taught us that the moral of the story is... If you are a massive creep and trick a woman into going on a date with a man that's not going to be there, you will end up having sex with her. So the moral of the story is, uh, you know... It works! It really works, guys. Jesus. Um, So, yeah, and, uh, I mean, the rest of this plot sort of weaves in and out of the five steaks and the eggplants, doesn't it? But Mm. he goes on a date with her, he then sees her again the next day and has sex with her, and she leaves another message for Bob well, basically leaving a terrible review of his sexual well, prowess. Yes, why Why is this woman giving her ex so much detail about the poor quality of the sex? Like, I can understand the, hey, I had sex and it wasn't with you. Doesn't that make you feel bad? Mm. Like, gloating. I can understand why she might do that. But then she's like, oh, she, it didn't even really last long. And uh, it was Awkward really bumpy. and bumpy. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, why, why bother? Why bother telling him that? I am fascinated by Jade and Bob's relationship because something's not quite right there, is it? The, no, the way she continues to leave him voicemails when he's... He picks up the first time, arranges to meet her and doesn't turn up. And she immediately forgives that. That's that's a bit of a, a no-no in the first place, right? She immediately forgives him. She leaves another message. He picks up again. She then, like you say, goes into this bizarre detail about the sex she's had with Chandler. But we should say, from Chandler's point of view, that is karma. Yeah, it deserves that. Absolutely deserves that. Your little awful scheme has ended up with you being embarrassed and being embarrassed in front of your friend shame on you she um she does say though so eventually she leaves this voicemail and and joey hears it oh jade stop leaving voicemails so she says on that last voicemail that it's been three years since bob yeah like that's that's not just wanting one last steamy night that's as she puts it i mean you're kind of harassing old bob now aren't you (laughs) it's getting three years of voicemails yeah, and it's getting to the stage where, I mean, she clearly doesn't know anything about Bob's current lifestyle or what's going no. on. Three years is easily enough time for him to have found somebody else. And she's just continuously leaving voicemails on his answering machine. It's a terrible moral uh, lesson. Chandler doesn't come out of it well on, on any level. He's clearly bad at sex. Uh, the end. I mean, that's it, isn't it? I guess, yeah, the good bit to come from this is that Chandler does something shitty and the universe corrects it. So. He gets his comeuppance. I'm Tilly Steele. And I'm Helen Monk. And this is Bitchin'. I'm dyslexic. Yeah, why do you read the Wikipedia page? <laughs> It's good to practice. <laughs> a podcast where every week we talk about a different person. So how old was he when he first popped on the scene? That's a great If question. you say he was my age, I'm going <laughs> to fucking die. And we veer wildly off track. Pop that Prosec. <laughs> Available on all your podcast apps. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> uh, Can you not say podcast. uh in the advert? <laughs> Available on all your podcast platforms. Just search Bitchin or Great Big Owl. We'll see you there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Okay. Onto the eggplants and the steaks. Ross's birthday is upcoming. At this stage, I thought Chandler had already bought tickets for Hootie and the Blowfish because he's trying to claim the money back off them all. Yeah. But it turns out he hasn't even bought them yet later. Yes, because they buy them they lay- for them as a group, don't yes, they? Yes, on the day as well. I mean, I've got a lot of questions about the Hootie and the Blowfish concert. One, so how big are Hootie and the Blowfish at this stage? So watching it originally, my impression was this band was massive at the time, right? The way they're talking about it. So mainstream success, 94, 95. Yeah, so they're doing bloody well in 94, 95. They've got top 10 hits. My um, my favourite thing about when they go to the gig is that as the gig finishes, Ross goes, excellent, that was excellent. <laughs> like, nobody, nobody says that when a gig finishes today. Well, I have a number of questions about the gig. Number one, where is it? Yes, it's like in a small theatre, isn't it's, it? It's, it looks like a like a high school theatre. Uh, it looks like, like a high, it looks like a cinema. Plush red chairs. There's only about what two hundred people in it max. Which is surprising that Hootie and the Blowfish weren't able to sell out such a small venue, particularly on the day of the gig. Well, exactly. They bought tickets, six tickets. For, uh, for what I can tell, very good seats. Very good, yes. I mean, there's no bad seat in that room because it's the size of a small cinema. I mean, it looks like the theatre they're going to see Freud in. The Joey <laughs> the Joey musical Freud. Like All you want is a blowfish. Yes, all you, all you want is a blowfish. I mean, I presume that they didn't actually hire Hootie the Blowfish to play the first nine well, seconds yeah. of, their, of their song yeah. they don't appear they'd have made the most of them appearing wouldn't they i would have thought so anyway we'll come on to the hooting the blowfish saga a little bit later won't we there the, it starts because they're trying to buy ross's presents and chandler says they owe 62 dollars right each. okay so <laughs> so 62 dollars each for his birthday between like five of them they are spending about 250 pounds on their friend's birthday. Yes, in English money, yes. Over 300 American dollars. And given I've done that calculation, it probably tells you whose side I'm on here. <laughs> right, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's very generous. That's incredibly generous. That is, and, and we can only assume that the idea is they do this six times a year as well yeah. for all six of their birthdays. I can't imagine they're spending $300 on Ross and then like 20 bucks on Joey. But yeah. in the nicest possible way... I mean, what's the most you ever spend on a birthday present for someone that isn't your significant other, I'd say, you know? Uh, well, someone that isn't my family as well. Yeah, I'm, I, even my family, mate. Like, it's that's... 
you're probably talking thirty quid tops. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a nice little gesture, isn't it? But you're not going mad for three hundred dollars because like not going, even a big birthday. Not even a big birthday. No, I mean age plays a, a interesting role in this episode, and I've got some thoughts on that later, Pete. Um, but they're mid twenties at this stage, aren't they? So it's nothing. It's nowhere near a big birthday. They're at that point in their twenties when the amount each of you earn is really starting to differ. Yeah, most people, and I am generalising. Most people are generally on some kind of level financially when you first go into work. Sure. And then give it a few years and then some people start progressing and some people, I don't know, get made redundant and stuff like this. And that and it all starts fluctuating a bit and you find yourself in the situation they're in where your friends are all earning very different things. So I feel like that fits really well for the age that they are. Agreed. And so, so here's my train of thought. I'd say me and you aren't in the equivalent of the Chandler Monica Ross bracket and never have been because we work in the media, right? Yes, correct. The equivalent of that bracket in my in our lives are the people we know that work in the city or yep. you know. But why are they going for a big posh dinner to celebrate Monica getting a promotion? Especially when they clearly have plans to go out for a big dinner very very soon for Ross's birthday. Like 2 days later, right? Yeah. Like get a bottle of champagne like a nice one if you want. Order a pizza in. Ah, oh, you got promoted. Great. I don't know. It doesn't fit. It didn't strike with me as a sort of thing mid twenty people would do. You know? No. Like no. you might like- go out with your like partner. Right. Right. But that's about it. Exactly. Um. So yeah. I. I mean. I think you're right. That I think we both. We'll both land on the side of the, of the of the lesser earnings in this stage, especially because we resonate with what that was like in our mid twenties. Splitting the bill. Mm. I'm I'm generally happy to split the bill evenly. A couple of quid difference wouldn't bother me. Unless like someone has blatantly ordered less and therefore they deserve to yeah. pay much, much less. So I don't think Phoebe's being I don't think it's unreasonable. No, and they've so I mean, so the restaurant scene in itself, this is like an iconic friends scene, isn't it? This restaurant scene. There's so much going on here. There are so many lines to take away. There's the waiter who has featured Pete in our uh I'd say one of our most successful rounds in the Friends with Friends quiz, Waiters of Friends. But he is so uh, unbelievably passive-aggressive. Like, he he comes over to the... Imagine you were actually at a meal and this happened. The waiter comes over to the table and says, do I dare ask? (laughs) You'd just be like, fuck off, mate, we'll go somewhere else. It's weird, isn't it? But it sort of leads me to believe that the place they're in is supposed to be so posh that they're basically... Not not the expected they clientele. Belong, you know, yeah. yeah, exactly. Having said that, the chairs in the restaurant, Pete, do not scream posh restaurant. It doesn't look posh at all. It looks like quite a sort of, um, I'd say, three-star hotel wedding reception. Correct. Also, what the fuck restaurant is it? Because they serve Cajun catfish... Thai pizza, yeah, <laughs> cucumber soup. Like, what the what the fuck is the culinary theme here? I really wasn't expecting Joey to be able to order a pizza in this restaurant. That's that was my takeaway. And then when the pizza arrives, it, Phoebe says it's tiny. Yes, like it's a sort of maybe it's like a, an aperitif pizza, you know, like a you little. You know, like those those or like those um those ones you buy toddlers that come wrapped in cling film in supermarkets and they're like twelve p. Yeah, mini freezer pizza. Mini freezer pizza. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They are very satisfying though. The whole uh, them ordering sequence is great, isn't it? So Joey and his chicken as pizza, is it cheaper if I don't yeah. have the, you know, all the bits on it? 
the cucumber oh cucumber soup can we talk about cucumber soup uh that would uh, cucumber doesn't really have much flavor does it well no, this is where we're going to argue pete because i fucking hate cucumber oh do you i don't I- like the the um what's the phrase i don't like the the texture of cucumber it's very that, slippy and sloppy. It's an awful, it's an awful, awful food, cucumber. I'd say it's by far and away my least favourite food. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I I cannot I cannot bear it. Um. Well, you won't be ordering the cucumber soup then. Absolutely won't. Be I feel it. like cucumber soup would need quite a lot of seasoning and other things in it. Just sounds vile, mate. If I'm honest, it does yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't have a strong hatred of cucumber like you, but I, it doesn't sound good to me. Well, exactly. I think even a, a cucumber apologist would have to say a, cu- <laughs> a cup of cucumber soup does not sound appetising. Mmm, um, noodle soup. Mm, <laughs> cucumber soup. And then Rachel, of course, is, uh, I'll have the side salad. And what yeah. would that be on the side of? They were clearly, I mean, the other three must have been watching that going, oh, something's awry here. They're all ordering nothing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're not watching that going, oh, that's weird. They're just all ordering. Yeah, they should have been more sensitive to it. Exactly. Or maybe Ross and Chandler didn't spot it because they're sort of hiding behind the menus, aren't they, the whole time? Oh, uh, hiding behind the menus, talking about the date. Mm. So here's the thing about the date. So uh, we're led to believe this is the same day, right? They met. He's met Jade at 5pm and had apparently this wonderful afternoon with her and then still made it to dinner. The bill comes, and considering they spent $62 each on Ross's present, and this is supposedly a hugely posh restaurant, $28 each isn't actually very much, I wouldn't have thought. The three of them had a big main course. They've all got desserts. Weirdly, all their desserts are still basically untouched on the table. Did you notice that? And wine. Uh, They're like, Ross says something like, oh, Monica shouldn't pay, like we're celebrating for her. Nah, Monica should fucking pay. Like, it was her idea. It was her idea, and it's not her birthday. She's just got promotion and is therefore earning lots more money now. I was going to say, she is, if anything, in the position to exactly. pay Exactly. She's paying her treat, if anything. Yeah, that, that, was an odd, that was an odd call, wasn't it? So, yeah, and then, and then this whole argument breaks out. It gets very awkward, and that sort of sets the split up for the rest of the episode, doesn't it? But sort of the two tribes, as it were. Mm. I can understand why... Like Chandler, in particular, he's really he really sort of visibly cringes, doesn't he, when he has to have this conversation? With oh him yeah, about it's horrible, isn't it? I do completely understand. Like that's just uncomfortable conversation for all six of those people. So I I get that. Yeah, but you're right. That the whole. I mean, we've all been in that situation. But how how many times have you been to dinner, say, especially in your mid twenties, in a group, and you've had to basically play the bill splitting lottery at the start yes. of the meal? So you yeah. go, is this the sort of group that's going to split the bill? Because I remember doing this when I didn't earn loads in my early 20s and going, if this is the sort of thing where we're going to split the bill anyway, I'm going to have loads. (laughs) I'm going to order like all the sides and loads of drinks. But that's a risk because then sometimes they're like, right, let's just all pay for what we had ourselves. You're like, oh, for fuck's sake. But I guess worst case, you're just paying for what you had there, which is fine. But but yeah, I think that I I think the sensitivity, like you say, and the awareness of the other three, because these are like the closest knit group of friends in the world, right? Yeah. It's weird that this hasn't come up before. Especially as they're probably close enough to know what each other earns. Right, exactly that. That's exactly it. I mean, we we all know, we've been with Joey now for a season and a half, and we know he's 
never earned any money <laughs> because yep. he's done zero acting. Similarly, Phoebe. Phoebe's not doing much work, is she? Exactly. And Rachel's working in Central Perk at this stage. Yeah. You know, like, I think we're all aware that they're probably not in a position, especially if they're paying rent in Manhattan, mm. to be going out someplace nice two days before they go out somewhere someplace nice for their friend's birthday, you know? Yeah, there's, uh, there's, no, uh, there's no excuse for not being aware of it. No excuse, guys. That's what we're saying to you. Anyway, so they have the conversation, and then um, then we get the, the weird skit where they present the five steaks on the eggplant, um, which is a very... I enjoyed that moment. It was, that was like a sort of a brief respite, wasn't it? Everyone was happy again before it got awkward again. And then... And then, now, yeah, I'd say the three... I don't know what to call them. The, the, the good earners? The three... The rich ones. The, yeah, I was, I was sort of trying to avoid the sort of the rich and the, <laughs> the rich and the paupers, um, but yeah, but the rich ones sort of, uh, like they say, present this nice gesture, but they do present it terribly, don't they? I can completely understand why it would make the others. I appreciate the generosity, and I can see that, but I can also understand why it would make the others uncomfortable to be bought so much stuff. I honestly couldn't work out where I came down on this between like. Are they being patronising, or are the other three just being a bit of? Are they are they digging their heels in and being a bit of a dick by rejecting these tickets? Because by this time, don't forget they've bought the tickets, right? They're there. Like, why would they subject themselves to a night in watching Joey counting and guessing Joey's fingers? Yes, which is a bit sort of overly tragic, isn't it? Well, it just feels like they're really overly making a point, you know. Like, I think they could have had a better conversation where they've gone, look, guys, we've we've bought them. It's tonight. Would you please come? We'd love it if you came. You know, like, this isn't supposed to be charity. Like, I've just got a promotion. I'm earning a bit more. I'd love to buy you guys. You know, we're each buying one of you a ticket, basically, isn't it? And then they get to the concert, and we've discussed the concert, and there's a lot about the concert that I don't understand, mainly where it is and how famous Hootie and the Blowfish are at the moment. But here's a classic Friends with Friends timeline problem. Okay. Are you ready for it? it? Yeah, go. So after the concert, they bump into Stevie, little Stevie Fisher, right? Mm-hmm. Now, now, Pete, let me talk you through the logistics here. This episode is in season two, which is in 1995. I believe Monica is 26. Okay. Uh, someone will correct me, but I believe she, she's 25 or 26 at this point. Let's take for the fact that he is younger than them, right? Mm-hmm. She says, oh, how can you be the You're eight, you know? So we led to believe that he was eight when they were babysitting him, right? What's the youngest Monica will have been at that age? 14? Uh, 13, yeah, 14 babysitting? Yeah. Let's call that 12 or 13 years ago, yeah? And Stevie Fisher was eight. He's now then about 20, and somehow a fully qualified lawyer looking after <laughs> one of the biggest bands in the world. Yeah, talking about his firm. <laughs> How does that... What is happening here? Anyway, that's the first prong of the problem, because... That is the best case scenario. And I don't know much about law, but I'm pretty sure you have to finish school and then do like a lot of training. Yeah, There's yeah. a long way before you're, as Chandler says, Stevie and Stevie yeah. and Hootie are like, they're really tight. It seems to imply they've got this sort of long term trusting relationship, the band and Stevie, you know? Yeah. The problem with that is, what do we also know about Monica and Rachel babysitting Stevie Fisher? Uh, that Rachel got with his dad? Yeah, so we'd hope that they weren't 13 or 14, wouldn't we, oh, at this God, stage? Yes. We would hope, at best, Stevie Fisher's dad, that Monica and Rachel were 
yeah. seventeen. Let's say sixteen at a put. Like let's. It's a fucking dodgy situation. But let's God, say we've got timelines all over the place. Oh, the timeline. But we'd hope they were eighteen. But let's say Stevie Fisher's dad's a bit of a dodgy, a dodgy and Hopefully, he's not that much of a dodgy and Pete. Yes. But you know, let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say that they're at least sixteen, seventeen. <laughs> that makes that makes them eight or nine years older than Stevie oh, Fisher, no. which means he is now a fully qualified lawyer at the age of sixteen or seventeen. <laughs> And he's also clearly not that age. <laughs> In his oversized suit. Anyway, all I'm saying is, there's a problem with Stevie Fisher's career. Yeah, good timeline detective work there. Thank you very much. You're welcome. That's all I've got for you. I got, I got so wrapped up in that, <laughs> that everything else that happened after this episode, I didn't really make any notes about. Well, yeah, then Monica gets fired because she's supposedly taking this kickback from uh, this with the stakes. Um, for switching the meat supply, which is sort of very uh, glossed over earlier on, isn't it? But then, um, but then she gets fired, and everything is fine again. That's the thing. What a dramatic way to resolve the situation between this yes, friendship the firing. group. One of them has to get fired. Oof, bleak as. Um, but yeah, that is it. That's that's how it all wraps up, isn't it? Um, so there you go. The one with five steaks and an eggplant. Uh, we will consider that done. Is your washing machine on? It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't mention that in your noise warning, did you? I was on the radio uh, the other day and spoke to our political reporter on air and his washing machine was going off in the background and then bleeped really loudly (laughs) while he was talking about uh, coronavirus. I just feel like everyone now accepts that everyone's at home do you know what yes, i mean like you're watching yeah. telly it doesn't matter if john pinar's just in the bath like we're like oh he's <laughs> working from home of course he's probably in the bath doesn't matter anymore um what a world we live in hey is it that loud it's not that loud no i just think i've i've just picked i've just picked out a washing machine in my time shall we shall we end the podcast with just the sound of my washing machine yeah i think that's important See you next week, everyone. Just, just before quiz. we do, don't forget the quiz. The next quiz is on August uh, the 30th. Dave, that's not important compared to... The washing machine. Oh, I think it's... Oh, I think it's just fucking finished. Fucking shot.